Salutations. Welcome to Spiritual Blitherings, Philosophical Ponderings, and Everything Ramblings at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. This is a Just Some Guy production, and I'm that guy, your host, Steve, the Hopeful Humanist. And today, I have another opportunity to talk to my good friend, spiritual brother, Daniel Sun. We are, again, coming together as just two ones. And I went on the population clock on the internet. And uh, apparently at this point, Daniel Sun, we are, I'm going to round up, uh, just two ones among 7.9 billion people. Unbelievable. That is a lot of people. Yes. Um, I, I The reason why I'm kind of bringing this up again, I, I feel it fits in with the, the discussion that we're going to have today, the discussion okay. about uh, critical thinking. Uh, we, we've had a couple files back and forth, and I really like the title of your last file, Is Critical Thinking Critical? And so I think that that's what we're going to be calling this. And just to kind of start off with a kind of a disclaimer in terms of this discussion, um, I, I thought the idea of just two ones emphasizes that, uh, you know, there's a lot of different voices out there, a lot of different experiences, a lot of different thoughts. And if we brought all that to the talking table, wow, what would that look like in terms of possibly us changing the way we think our, you know, about the lives that we're living ourselves? And so there's always that disclaimer, I do not have a monopoly on the truth. And in terms of this discussion on critical thinking, um, we are just two ones sharing some thoughts. And my hope is at the end of this discussion, we might, uh, after we put some things on the table, we might each have a takeaway. But uh, before we start, uh, you're being very patient with this long introduction. I have a special guest and I, I just want to uh, invite us, invite into this moment with us, um, Woodrow. And uh, so welcome, Woodrow. Hi. Uh, today we are talking about critical thinking. And one of the things I always talk about on my podcast is the importance of the ideas that are being discussed in the resources in terms of seeing how they might be relevant to younger souls, younger generations, Gen Z, Gen Alpha. And so, yeah, I have a question for you. I'm kind of putting you on the spot, so um, no pressure. Uh, what would you say is, uh, or do you have an idea of, or have you talked about this thing called critical thinking? So I have not talked about it at all. I have not learned about it. I have little sense of what it means, but I'm still confused about it. Okay. Um, so I think it's a pretty important discussion for us to have then. You know, in terms of uh, this idea of critical thinking, do you think you have a, a best guess about what we might be talking about? We have this word critical and this other word thinking, or, or sometimes we talk about critical thinkers. Do you have any idea what we might be pointing at? So for me, my definition of critical thinking is when there's like a problem that needs to be solved, you need to think in a critical way to get the problem solved. So like basically you're thinking very critically about the situation to solve it all. Okay. So um, I think, uh, Danielson, as we talk, we'll probably something about problem solving will be definitely uh, something that seems to be related to it. 
And so you're identifying, uh, Woodrow, that this is something that you're not familiar with. I'm going to propose uh, in my conversation with Danielson that uh, whatever this thing is called critical thinking, that it's really important for the 21st century. It's important for a curriculum of the 21st century for younger generations. So the idea is, you know, things that people should be learning um, when they're young so that they're prepared for the future. So do you have any ideas in addition to this thing that Dan and I are, Daniel Sun and I are going to talk about? Do you have any other ideas about what uh, might be a part of or should be a part of a, a curriculum for the 21st century? Um, something that I think kids should start learning at school in this century is volunteer work. So like learning what it, the volunteer work does for you why should you do it? And yeah. Okay. So the idea is that uh, you might want to do this thing called volunteer work because somehow it, it's going to help you in your future. And and so what's like one of your main ideas about if a young person does some volunteer work, it's going to help them in their future. So basically, sometimes not when you're younger, but like when you get older, you start to worry about like, what do you want to be when you're bigger and stuff? So that's when you decide what courses you're going to take in every like in your schools so if you're going for a certain job if you do a lot of volunteer work that's like in like a bit of the same of the job that you want to do it will like show that oh I'm good at doing this I do it a lot and I'm helping and yeah basically I'm very good at this and it'll stand out because if you had done no volunteer work and you wanted to get this job, but there was also another person who wanted the same job as you, but they had done plenty of volunteer work. Well, then they would probably pick the person who did plenty of volunteer work instead of the person who just decided to do none. Okay, so um, that's wonderful. Uh, another idea for the 21st century is this idea of uh, volunteerism. And um, so, uh, you know what we just did there? What? Well, you did some critical thinking about this thing called critical thinking, which is something that you didn't know about. And that's the whole idea uh, that we're going to try to tackle in terms of this discussion. So do you think you're any kind of closer to understanding what it is we might be looking at here? So I think I may understand some more, but I also think that I might need to study it a bit more to understand the full meaning of critical thinking. Okay. An openness to continuous learning. Okay. Well, wow. So I just thought it could be an interesting way to start things off in terms of the discussion we're going to have. And, uh, but I want to uh, open up the floor, uh, expand the discussion and include my uh, wonderful co-host, Daniel Sun. So um, welcome to this moment, uh, Daniel Sun. Thank you very much. It is uh, good to be uh, with you on the Hopeful Humanist Cafe again, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to our discussion on how critical is critical thinking, and I like uh, Samuel's uh, notion of that it has to do with problem solving, and uh, you know, sometimes we hit that obstacle or that block, and uh, that, that point of, I don't know, and um, I guess, you know, critical thinking can be described as moving beyond that particular point. 
And I love Samuel's idea of, of volunteering. It, it speaks to my own experience uh, as a teacher. And certainly before I got teaching jobs, I worked as, as a volunteer teacher. And so it enabled me to be in a classroom and to figure out how to be the best teacher I can be. So thank you for that, Samuel, for that uh, that opening. So I think uh, we're going to be both agreed that this is a pretty big terrain in terms of what we're tackling. I think we'd agree that what could be helpful um, perhaps could be uh, in terms of a departure point, I'm open. Perhaps there's an orienting quote um, about, you know, what it is we're talking about. Uh, we could start off with a definition um, we might even want to start off with some questions and then see how uh, things unfold and how we eventually proceed. So do you have any uh, immediate thoughts as a departure point, Daniel-san? Well, I, you had mentioned coming up with a couple of T-shirt ideas as well as a couple of quotations. Uh, so as any good teacher worth his salt, I, I did my <laughs> homework. <laughs> Teachers should always do their homework. And uh, so I came up with uh, maybe a, a jumping off point would be the T-shirt ideas. Uh, so the first one is read widely. And uh, I could uh, expand on that a bit more. And number two, uh, which kind of serves as a bit of a transition to the first quotation, is imagine the un unimaginable. And I, I guess for me, when I think of critical thinking, I think uh, the, the biggest hindrance to critical thinking is uh, the blocks that we have in our own minds, our own particular biases, perhaps, or uh, our ignorance, uh, ignorance in uh, not knowing the subject matter uh, as well as we should, perhaps. So the, the, the first quotation uh, comes from a very uh, famous uh, scientist uh, known as Albert Einstein. And what I like about just a, a bit of a context here. Uh, so in uh, the early 20th century, uh, he was uh, tr developing his idea of the theory of relativity, which would change uh, the world that we know. And so he used his imagination to get to that point. And I like to add uh, imagination as a, a very important element of critical thinking. And so for about, from what I've read, for about a year's time, uh, he kept dreaming about uh, riding a um, beam of light. And so in his imagination, and a beam of light travels at 300,000 kilometers per second. Uh, so very fast. Uh, so he would daydream about, uh, he would imagine the unimaginable of actually going as fast as a beam of light. And that was the, um, the, the seed of his theory of relativity, uh, which takes me to the quote. Uh, so Einstein uh, said, imagination is more important than knowledge, uh, for knowledge is limited, whereas imagination embraces the entire world, stimulating progress, giving birth to evolution. So I, I don't know if you want to respond to that or because uh, I, I do have another quotation. It, it, it's a bit uh, it's a bit a little bit more involved. I'll turn it all back over to you. Yeah, I, I really much uh, very much enjoy that. Uh, in terms of my intro, the idea of uh, just two ones among 7.9 billion other voices, 
and the uh, the disclaimer that you know I don't have a, a monopoly on the truth. Um, there are these tendencies, I think, that um, are good indicators of the things that we might accept as being true, right? So, you know, one tends to believe that which feels to be true. One tends to believe that which validates our experience. One tends to believe that which has practical utility. One tends to believe that which has congruence. And that, lastly, one tends to believe that which is open to uh, skeptical inquiry. And, you know, and there's some convergence here. Uh, so this is my long and detailed way of saying that we've got some convergence here in terms of the, the quote that you shared. And one of the ideas that I see as a, an essential attribute or competency for um, what I'm going to call the critical thinking mindset, and that would be creativity. I think creativity is an essential part of the uh, creative mindset that would be a part of the critical thinking landscape. So to, to just to add to the discussion, um, there are definitions of uh different ways of thinking of critical thinking. We can get into critical theory where we're talking about hegemonic assumptions and kind of like the the negative as a way to become constructive in terms of uh, tearing down barriers that uh, are holding us back. I'm not going to go in that direction. I think we, we easily could. Uh, I thought I would offer a different kind of definition of critical thinking. Um, so critical thinking is the intellectually disciplined process of actively and skillfully conceptualizing, applying, analyzing, synthesizing, and or evaluating information gathered from or generated by observation, experience, reflection, reasoning, or communication uh, as a guide to belief and action. I think that there's, there's some benefit to perhaps using that as a departure point, but I found myself moving away from that and I, I found myself more interested in exploring critical thinking as a kind of a mindset. And I put together a list of um, different attributes and competencies. And I see it as a growth mindset, as uh, Carol Dweck uh, has the idea of a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. So I see the idea of critical thinking as being a growth mindset. And one of the competencies I have on there is this idea of, of being creative. So once again, in a, in a long way, I've come back to um, the quote that you've offered. And, and I've, I've done that simply to say that I think it gives uh, some weight to what it is we're talking about um, in terms of some of the congruent thinking that uh, seems to be lining up between um, some of the quotes that you've come across and uh, some of the ideas that I've become familiar with through my research as well. So I, I'm actually just going to hand it back to you and, and say, please expand. Uh, and, and you said you had another quote that you wanted to go a little bit more deeply. All this is to say that, you know, I think that there's something to be said for and, and we shouldn't so quickly just acknowledge then move on from and walk away from this idea of creativity as being something essential for the creative thinking process. I, I do have another quotation. I, I, I don't know. I, I also have... I kind of framed, uh, so I have, I brainstormed obstacles to critical thinking, consequences, and um, maybe I'll, I'll just briefly uh, mention the quote. Uh, so it's not really a, a quote, it, it's more um, 
there was a magician on CBC the other day. Uh, his name is, uh, what is his name? He's uh, half of Penn and Teller. Uh, so uh, his name is uh, Penn Gillette. So he's he's a magician. And so he was talking about, so Tom Power on CBC, on the show Q, was asking uh, Penn, the magician, uh, where is the beauty in magic? And this kind of goes back to the, the notion of, of creativity, but it also touches on how our brains are forced into uh, framing things uh, which potentially limit critical thinking. And so basically, uh, he described magic as playing with the retention of vision. And he said that, you know, when you look at a particular object, that image remains uh, in your mind for an additional one-tenth of a second. And so your, your brain is still seeing that object before it actually disappears. And, and so the idea, what I drew from that is, is the notion of, you know, our brains are always searching out patterns, frames, references to make sense of, of the very complicated uh, world, uh, which houses 7.9 billion people. And so uh, that that's kind of where I go in thinking about critical thinking. And as an educator, I think of try to come up with ways uh, that will help my students move beyond the particular blocks and the boundaries uh, that are created in, in people's minds. And I do little exercises with them and such. And so if I just kind of touch, I don't know, should I touch on a, a couple of obstacles too critical yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And because that, that's why uh, the, the creativity is so important, right? It's, it's those obstacles that cause us to get stuck, that we need to figure out how we're going to uh, circumvent that and, and kind of go beyond. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, technology is, is probably the, the biggest uh, thing in, in forcing us uh, to limit our thinking and, and rely on uh, technology for easy and quick answers that keep us in that spot of I don't know, and uh, it doesn't provide an, as much an incentive to move beyond that into the realm of critical thinking. And I, I, I guess uh, I don't know if if this works, but I was thinking about the dummies books, like Windows for Dummies, Stock Trading for Dummies, Philosophy for Dummies, etc. And so you have like a, the consumer aspect or the materialistic culture in which we live, uh, which does not incent our cri critical thinking. And, and so assuming that we are dummies and we need to rely on someone else to explain or, as Woodrow mentioned before, to, to solve a particular problem. And even uh, I was thinking even... Uh, companies, customer service uh, branches. Uh, I mean, you you call up and you get a problem solved, and and so we've developed a reliance on that as well. So the dummies books, uh, the customer service, uh, as well as Google, I dare say. Yeah, we have uh, once again, without knowing it, kind of converged uh, with uh, some similar similar ideas. I had some questions. Uh, that I thought, you know, uh, perhaps in framing something, uh, if, if nothing else, to walk away with some intelligent questions would be a demonstration of a good conversation. And uh, so the first one is I, to borrow from your initial thought in, in the voice file that you sent me and you entitled it, 
is critical thinking critical? I mean, that's something, that is, is there some benefit in us figuring out what this thing critical thinking is? Um, that that I, I shared the thought, is it harder now for younger generations to be critical? And, and that thought was linked to the fact that, as you linked already, the idea, are there barriers because of the internet? Are there barriers because of the way we're able to be so quickly uh, connected with one another? Definitely, there's upsides to that. But uh, one of the questions I was asking are, like, what are the implications for critical thinking uh, in terms of our ability to, when we're having a problem, to say, uh, you know, I'll just ask Google or I'll, I'll ask Alexa or I'll ask Siri. And the fact that there is that reliance um, for us to quickly access something. Uh, could that be problematic? Now, I mean, it's easy for one generation to look at another generation to say, you know, um, this is uh, the way we did things and, you know, the new way things are being done uh, is, is probably not helpful. But there are times when I'm having conversations with people and, I, and something comes up and, and we're wondering, you know, uh, what the answer is or how to proceed or, you know, there's an there's a information gap and and I find often I'm okay with that. I'm like, okay, you know, I guess uh, I guess right now I'm not sure what the answer to that question is. Uh, there's some information missing, and perhaps at some point I might turn it into like a very intentional process to try to you know get the information and do a little bit of research. But then you know uh, I find some people from the younger generation um, will quickly uh, say, well, let's just ask Google, and and then they'll come up with the information, and in the moment we'll all feel like better because we're able to not have to get stuck on the idea and ruminate on, you know, sometimes I have to sleep on and then it just kind of pops up. But uh, I was also wondering um, in terms of this reliance on technology, can there be a downside in terms of the way we gear up to tackle problems? I'm not sure what the answer is, uh, but uh, it fits in with what you're sharing. I've, I've been teaching uh, college for, I don't know, 15 years. And, and I, I've, I've noticed certainly a, a move towards uh, what you're suggesting and that move being a dependence, dare I say, over-reliance on uh, getting answers immediately off the internet, of, of, which stands to reason. And uh, so one thing that I found a, a bit distressing, I suppose, is uh, I, I did a, a video exercise with my well so my students had to submit a uh, a video and in the video they were to describe a, a favorite book etc and and from that and over i guess it was about 90 students uh, a lot of them simply don't read and and as an english teacher uh <laughs> maybe i took that a little too personally <laughs> but uh <laughs> but um I, I i think that that's another uh, obstacle the fact that the, uh, our attention spans, and I'm, I'm including myself with the student, I mean, we're all uh, kind of subject to this, but uh, our attention spans have shortened. And so how can we uh, read uh, with short attention spans? How, how can you read a 350-page Stephen King novel uh, if you're thinking about uh, messages on your phone, etc.? So, so that's that's something that that I've been very much aware of, and trying to figure out uh, how can I help coax students into 
developing critical thinking, because uh, certainly uh, once they hit the job market, uh, that is, you know, one of the top three skills that they will need to have developed in their post-secondary education. So it's, uh, so I, I, I do little um, exercises in class uh, to at least uh, show them how uh, their minds act in bordering off or, or how, how their minds are, are restricted by within a box. And, and I do that quite literally with, I, I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but it's uh, nine, nine dots. So three rows. Uh, so a three by three box of nine dots. And so I throw that up on the screen and I ask the students to connect the dots with four straight lines without lifting the pen. And uh, so out of a, a class, and it is possible, I wouldn't otherwise do it, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, there may be one uh, out of a class of 45 uh, who will get it. And but what's more, more important, I mean, the idea isn't to get as many people to solve it, uh, but I find it a, a good discussion point to uh, examine why uh, we're not able to solve it because of how our brains are and always searching out patterns, et cetera. Yeah, thinking within uh, uh, defined parameters and, and, and once again, so that recognizing that you have to go outside of those three dots to make those four lines. Yeah, I'm familiar with that, uh, that activity. I very much enjoy that activity. The one thing that you, you were sharing before uh, referencing that activity was the idea of the importance of reading and, and doing um, some kind of research as opposed to information just being handed to us, almost like there's a kind of a quest uh, there's something quite important about that that search and and then the uh, the research that goes on in terms of collecting the information. I and I think we'll retain it longer. It'll become more personally relevant. Uh, the idea of reading, I think, is uh, really important and, and linked to possibly one of the barriers of social media uh, in terms of like information um, or what appears to be information sharing. It, Many of us, you know, the talk is about these things called information pollution or information bubbles, uh, the outrage factory, and the idea that, you know, you're you're tweeting something. And uh, I, I came across some uh, research in this book that I'm reading called The Know-It-All Society, Truth and Arrogance in Political Culture by Michael Patrick Lynch. And he's suggesting uh, from the research that he's come across that when people uh, tweet uh, a news article, perhaps that out of uh, 10 people, only four people have read the article. And so what they're doing is not so much diving in and trying to figure out what it is that the article is about, but that they someone has kind of poked at them emotionally and they've got uh, an emotion that's kind of uh pouring out of them that they, they they want to share that and so what we see more so instead of the sharing of information is the sharing of feelings and generating um, these emotional responses to things and then it gets into you know uh, identifying with a, a tribal way of thinking and then a lack of openness right so in terms of the discussion that we're having so far you know i i feel like there could be benefit in looking at uh, critical thinking as a as a mindset, a growth mindset that has these different attributes or competencies, 
and that you know we try to somehow uh, master and develop these different competencies and and this idea of creativity is uh, one of the uh, attributes that I have listed I'll just quickly throw some out and we'll see that perhaps maybe we'll get back to them or or maybe we won't uh, but I think one of the questions I always have when I go through this list for myself is I always end with the question what else you know like what else should be on this list attempting to be critically reflective about my critically reflective list of attributes and so I have uh, on there uh, you know a mindset of curiosity about the world and others I think it's really important you know in terms of you know are there barriers to us being critically reflective because social media um, being interested and curious about that um, the the idea of just recognizing the need for emotional intelligence recognizing at times uh, maybe our feelings can be an obstacle but i don't think that we need to discard or dismiss our emotions that our emotions are feelings about uh, it's information about how we're doing in the world and they can actually orient us uh, if there are injustices it can kind of kind of it's a warning uh, sign that we need to maybe take some action. Um, you you mentioned this idea of knowing your bias. I think, you know, uh, recognizing that I'm more likely to lean this way as opposed to that way. Uh, and then, you know, when we're having the discussion or when we are reading, that we would do this thing called suspend judgment. That would take time to listen and to share and that kind of back and forth, kind of a, a playing catch Um fleshing out a little bit more of the curiosity piece, asking questions like, you know, what is it about this that causes you to think about it this way? You know, why did you send uh, this tweet? Why did you retweet it knowing that you didn't read it? What is it, what is it that's important for you in terms of this? The idea of uh, creativity uh, is another one of the attributes. Um, open to different positions, recognizing we could have a discussion right now about whether or not the better thing for us to do is to come up with a formula to be critically reflective or to come up with like an all uh, comprehensive definition or should we be coming up with attributes right? like that that's the idea to be open that there are different paths to go down um, and then at some point I think it's as, as, as uh, Woodrow was saying to be able to apply it uh, to things that are happening in the world solving problems solving conflict and the last one is uh, I think it also includes a, an element of um, a, a, an attribute of assertiveness where we sometimes have to stand up to those uh, parameters that are limiting us and then kind of push back. So yeah, I just took that moment to kind of share those uh, those ideas. And I think the question, what else I would add to that is we need to read. We, we need to read and, and we need to take some time to to digest. So what are your thoughts about that? Well, yeah. So you mentioned emotional response and, and that, you know, dovetails with the, the idea of, you know, more limited attention spans and, and these as being, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll start again. So I, I was thinking, you know, how I came up with the notion, you know, like how critical is, is critical thinking and, and, I, I tend to think that critical is not even a strong enough adjective to describe how important critical thinking is uh, when you think in terms of climate change, you know, moving towards, um, you know, solving problems related to racism, like, like, so the, the big problems that, that we need to address as a society and, 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 you know, without 
critical thinking and, and, and without having an ability to sift through the half-truths, the mistruths, and the blatant lies, you know, it, we're, we'll continue to be stuck in not being able to change, I, I guess. And, and, and I think that's that really going back to what I said about, you know, the, the video exercise I had with my students and, and realizing that a lot of them don't read and in the context of what was going on in the world at the time and, and, and thinking that, you know, how these, these are 18, 19 year olds who are eligible to vote. Right. And, and, you know, what do we want of our electorates? Do we want our, our citizens to vote on the basis of a, an emotional response or uh, a well thought out critical response that necessary is precluded by reading the platforms of the parties who are running for power kind of thing. So it's, and then uh, I mean, climate change, you know, um, how, how important is, is that? I mean, it's, existential crisis whatever you want to call it it's it's extremely important that this particular faculty is is developed i guess so i uh i thought i should uh, equip myself for a uh, a reference a quote from um the power of critical theory so you, you said that you know critical uh, doesn't seem to capture the importance of uh, critical thinking and, and when we take critical thinking to the next level, we get into um, this thing called the power of critical theory, which uh, is a book that I read by uh, Stephen D. Brookfield. And on this uh, page about learning liberation, uh, I'm just going to quote the, the first um, sentence here. Uh, it's under a heading called When Negativity Becomes Positive, Adult Education for Critical Thinking if we live in a society in which thought is circumscribed within certain limits that justify the correctness of the existing order, then critical thought must, by definition, outside, exist outside of and in opposition to these limits. This is Marcuse's position on what it means to be a critical thinker, and it is very far from the kind of positive cheerleading for critical thinking as a productive activity that I, amongst others, have written about. Stephen Brookfield, just as rebellious subjectivity can only develop at a distance from everyday experience. So critical thinking is distanced from the false concreteness of everyday reasoning. So when we're talking about critical thinking, at times it seems like we're just talking about how do I solve this problem uh, in terms of something that's before me. But uh, if we get to the more philosophical or abstract level, we're talking about the very composition of the world that we live in itself in terms of different inequalities and these global challenges that we're all facing as we as we try to figure out how collectively we can make the world a better place. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it leaves me uh, feeling like um, I'm slightly paralyzed in, in terms of like how to proceed. Uh, but uh, all the more so, uh, it's still important that we figure out how we're going to do this. I mean, and, and to add to that um, is perhaps uh, standing up to COVID-19, right? Like critically thinking about 
the, the ways that we can stand up to this thing while recognizing that on our dashboard, while it makes sense to think about the, uh, our physical lives, that, you know, loneliness kills too, right? And, and is that on our dashboard and the economic implications um, and inequalities uh, where some people and some groups are experiencing COVID-19 very differently than um, some others in much more privileged positions. And uh, so, yeah, for me, I think the there's a uh, it's so important to kind of figure out uh, what this thing, critical thinking is, and then figure out how we're going to foster it. And, you know, you identified that there's these these obstacles. And, and now I guess the question might be, so what are the things that if we do them will allow us to foster critical thinking in uh, the younger generations? I was uh, describing to someone this morning, we were talking about uh, the preponderance and, and our, our addictions to our uh, cell phones and how there, there have been studies done where the students who write exams, uh, so if, if they simply just have their phone in their pocket, and even if it's off, uh, they will actually score worse than they would if they did not have it on their person. And so I, I can't think of anything that describes that uh, particular handicap, that cognitive handicap, if you will, uh, better than that. And, and so there's there's part of our brain that that is waiting for that next uh, serotonin boost from someone who's thinking about us right now or sending us an email or sending us uh, a sale at the bay or, or whatever it happens to be. And, and so it, it, it's hard to, to think of how, how to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, it's, you know, at, at times I, I think about, you know, when we didn't have those phones and of course you're going to look back at it through rose colored glasses and nostalgically and stuff, but is it really, I mean, what, what are, do the benefits outweigh the costs, a cost in terms of, you know, what, what is it doing to us socially, I guess, and, and more, and as well as culturally as well. I, I've certainly read about how, you know, I mean, to create art, what do you need to create art? You need to have sustained attention. Uh, to a, a, a sculpture work or a painting or, or whatever it happens to be, how are you able to, or a, a, even a chess game, right? So on, on Netflix, there was the Queen's Gambit was has been very popular, and and you know people are out buying chess boards, right? It, it, is is that something that will be sustained, or is it just a a passing fad? I mean, the thought of you know, playing chess for a chess game for three hours, right? Is that something that is still something? Is that something that is conceived by people as something that they would like to do other than to be passively stimulated by Netflix or whatever, what the innumerable other things that can entertain us? So, so it would seem like one of the ways for us to stand up to one view that social media with all its positives could be a barrier because of the uh, attention economy might be to uh, 
um, engage a, a, at least in some activities that allow us to foster and nurture uh, our ability to attend to something for periods of time. So this idea of, you know, it could be that if I do this, it could increase the uh, possibility that I might be able to be more critically reflective and it's called playing chess. It could be uh, if I take some time and I pick up a book and I read this book, it might increase the likelihood that uh, I can expand this capacity, this competency called critical thinking, that if, if I can get curious about the world and start to ask questions and be open to hearing others share with me versus trying to be the only voice in the room, could that foster critical thinking? Um, I, I, you know, the uh, recognizing uh, critical thinking as it is connected with critical theory is something I think is uh, really important and worthwhile doing. And I'm glad people are tackling that, that avenue. Uh, for me, my, my interest, I guess I should put on the table, like, what is it that's brought me to this discussion in the first place is that, you know, uh, as, as, a, as a parent, I want to prepare my, my children for the future so that they're equipped to navigate a world where maybe they won't be able to own homes or where they might become a part of this thing called, you know, the useless class because there are not opportunities for employment because of you know, the, how technology is replacing people. And, you know, so that's where my interest in terms of critical thinking has come from, because there's so many different avenues that we could go down, so many different threads that we could pick at. And, and I don't want to pit one thread against the other, because I think they're all legitimate. But that's kind of been like my focus. What are the things that I can do to foster uh, critically competent young people so that they're able to navigate the world and solve some of the problems that the future will throw at them and that they can thrive and live meaningful lives. I'm curious, what has piqued your interest in the critical thinking discussion? I guess just thinking in terms of my students and uh, seeing the, the, the potential obstacles that they have to succeeding in the world. And uh, I try not to do it too much, but of course you see things or reading the paper or whatever that are warnings from our technologically obsessed culture in which we live. And, and one of the things was um, there, there's going to be a higher incidence of myopia. Now, when I, I'm pretty sure that's the right term, but, but it's in optimo, uh, optometry or ophthalmology, I guess. And so myopia is nearsightedness or farsightedness. I, I never know which. But it has to do with, uh, um, you know, eye degrad degradation from too much screen time, ultimately. And, mm -hmm. and so, uh, so myopia is the condition, but myopia is, is also the, uh, the, the term of, you know, being too narrowly focused, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's, you know, it has, it has a scientific meaning and it has a, you know, um, a more non-literal meaning. Right? You describe someone as being myopic. It, it means that they are uh, kind of tunnel vision kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, is, is, is that what we want for, you know, the next generation or subsequent generations? And, you know, 
again, like, like you're saying, what, what can we do to help foster, you know, an, an awareness of this without scaring too much <laughs> and, uh, and helping people recognize that, that there's, you know, a potential for, for suffering ultimately, uh, if, if you think about it and, um, you know, and like you said, you know, we're just two ones and out of 7.9 billion and, uh, we're, we're not going to change the world here, but, uh, you know, in our, in our small little, uh, universes, uh, we could potentially uh, affect, you know, questions that are appropriate to ask, I suppose. Yeah. The, the idea of, you know, raising consciousness with, uh, your students, uh, and for me as a parent, raising consciousness with, uh, you know, the, the two wonderful little souls that I've been entrusted with as, as a parent and, and maybe bringing it uh, to uh, their attention and saying, we think this is important and being open uh, to push back. Um, but yeah, the uh, myopic is being um, a metaphor for uh, losing sight of the bigger picture, the grand view uh, you you imagine someone walking with their head down and missing things and some of the things that they might miss, you know, obviously it could be like uh, the sun shining down from above or connecting with uh, immediate people around them as as they're walking down the street and, and having those, you know, authentic relationships and, and a greater understanding of one another. So I, uh, I'm thinking of my list and, uh, I feel like, you know, one way that we can perhaps encourage uh, them uh, to stand up to this myopic possibility of the danger of it would be to invite them to be curious about the world and, and to, you know, go beyond that one little instrument that seems to uh, capture so much of our attention and energy, the cell phone. And, and in terms of being curious you know, engaging in uh, discussions with one another and listening and sharing. And that if we can do these things that we might be surprisingly expanded because of these, these interactions. I'm just looking, like I made a list and uh, I guess um, I, I shared with you a list of different things possibly to talk about, knowing that this is just a tip of the iceberg conversation and it can't be anything more that neither you nor I are experts. We're just two ones. But uh, throughout this process of research that I've engaged in, initially, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, initially from the beginning, I was kind of thinking about uh, the goal perhaps for me might be coming up with a, a formula for what critical thinking is. But I, I moved uh, towards this idea of uh, critical thinking as a growth mindset. And I, and I came up with my own kind of definition of what it is that we might be talking about, um, that it's uh, a, an awareness, a critical thinking mindset is a, an awareness of self and others and an openness to ongoing growth for self and others, and that it, it can include tactics and strategies and formulas, and that it is an essential competency for the 21st century um, for one and for all because we have some things that are before us that are standing in the way of us collectively having meaningful, equitable, 
equal harmonious lives with one another and uh maybe not this coconut here i mean i had a i have a concussion so who knows what's coming out of this coconut but uh maybe collectively when we put our coconuts together um we might be able to figure some things out and uh i mean for me i i think uh i'm always going to be interested in uh, that that question i posed before um these are some things that you and i have talked about but uh what else? What else might be on the table for a discussion about critical thinking? Well, you mentioned your your coconut, and it made me think of uh, my my wife and I. Uh, when we're beset with a problem we can't solve, we joke about how if we have two half brains, it uh, we hope that it makes up for a full brain in solving the problem, but. Um, yeah, I, I mean, lean towards uh, proactivity uh, with this and, and how can we um, generate uh, awareness of potential obstacles to critical thinking and how can we kind of move on to that? One, one uh, I, I remember at university uh, being exposed to the uh, Hegelian dialectic. And, and so... Uh, so it represented by a triangle and on the two bottom corners, you have thesis versus an antithesis and then leading towards a synthesis. And and I know I, I kind of use that frame a lot uh, from, you know, in, in a critical perspective when, when I was uh, writing essays or literary criticism and, in, in, you know, have a, one particular argument, it's opposite, and then moving to uh, something beyond that. And and I think that, uh, you know, is, is is that the end game for critical thinking and, uh, and for, you know, the human species kind of thing? Like, we continue to evolve, and, and there are hiccups along the way, and recognizing those hiccups and, and trying to navigate around them and, and moving to the tip of, of that Hegelian dialect of, of synthesis and, and new thinking and outside of the box. And, and uh, yeah. So it's an evolving conversation and, and, and by having more people participating in this, this communicative act, um, we might get closer to something that's going to benefit us all. Uh, it, like I always find it interesting when I have these kind of conversations and, you know, it sounds like we're saying something. <laughs> we got some speech utterances <laughs> coming out. Um, but uh, I mean, how how do you feel about the conversation? I, it, it's good. I, I mean, I, I, I did. Uh, what do I have? As I look over at my Microsoft Word document, I have uh, 394 words that I, I just kind of scrambled together. Uh, so it, it was a, a good exercise to to kind of think about this and then know what our topic is and then uh, sit down with you and see where your perspective is and my perspective. And, and uh, I, I wouldn't exactly, as you mentioned before, uh, there is a convergence Right. Uh, and that uh, I, I think we are very much of similar minds. Uh, so whereas you may have a thesis, uh, we don't really have any antithesis, antithesis, <laughs> or however you pronounce the plural of antithesis. And uh, but it, it, it's certainly uh, 
And and I know what you had mentioned before. I, I mean, what is the aim of the Hopeful Humanist uh, Cafe to to kind of, I guess, if, if I paraphrase, I, I, I don't mean to uh, apply any definition that does not apply, but but to uh, bring awareness to certain things. And, and uh, you know, a, a lot of your podcasts relate to uh, mental health. And, you know, I've, how, how does that fit into critical thinking? And, and you know, they, they, what is suggested for people to uh, prevent Alzheimer's and, and dementia is to learn a musical, either learn a musical instrument or to uh, learn another language, yes. right? And, and so a kind of higher cognitive, I don't know what the word is, uh, action. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, as, as a way to uh, help, you know, avoid dementia or Alzheimer's, and so can you put critical thinking in in that same category potentially? And you know, if if we think of our brain as a muscle, uh, if we're not exercising it, and and we are being entertained by the thousands of things that are able to entertain us uh, if we're not exercising that muscle uh, what potential health problems may evolve from that i guess that's so, a, yeah it's that's a very, that's a fascinating thought sorry uh continued i i was i thought you had uh finished your thought there no i'm, I'm good yeah yeah, no. So well, that that's fascinating. The idea of linking um, critical thinking to mental health, and and for me, I've heard, especially when I got my concussion, uh, it became really important for me to practice on Duolingo, my French, to kind of make sure that I was exercising my brain in a way so that I can kind of, you know, rebuild neural circuits perhaps that weren't functioning the way they should. In terms of my question, though, like you know, how how does this conversation make you feel? I really appreciate what you shared because in a sense, what's really interesting, if we're going to be kind of critically reflective about this conversation on critical reflection, you identified in the sense that there's no uh, antithesis here. Uh, we, we created a little bit of a, what do we call it? A, uh, an information bubble of similarity. Uh, you know, we, we've got two minds leaning in the same direction and uh, perhaps, you know, some might say, well, that's boring. <laughs> let's, like, let's get a little bit more uh, energy into this conversation. But, I mean, it is what it is. And, 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 and I, I think that that's just something that we should be conscious of, that, you know, what would the conversation look like if, if, if someone else was uh, to join us and, and have some kind of, of a antithesis position? Uh, mm-hmm. that we would somehow have to move towards a synthesis. That's fascinating. Uh, the mental health piece is fascinating. For me, there's been a whole bunch of takeaways already. For me, I'm going to continue to be curious, getting back to that creative thinking mindset, about the idea of the link between critical thinking and mental health. That's that's something that I think I need to pour some more thought into. Uh, I also, the, one of the takeaways for me in terms of the thoughts that you brought to the table was this idea of reliance um, on technology and the implications that has for critical thinking. And lastly, uh, in terms of, you know, what else uh, should be considered as a possible attribute uh, or competency for the mindset checklist, 
would be this idea of, I, I overlooked it completely, the importance of reading um, and picking up a book and doing things to develop attention so we can work through problems before we lose attention <laughs> and interest on tackling the problem before we get some kind of resolution. I'm, I'm mindful of the listener. <laughs> and I'm thinking the listener's like, hey, these guys aren't Joe Rogan. Uh, maybe Joe Rogan can talk for three hours, but these guys can't. And uh, so um, what is a, a possible takeaway that you might have, Daniel Sun? This this is uh, this is energizing for me for sure, and and I think uh, you know this fits into the category of critical thought. What we've been doing for uh, over an hour together, and it's for me, it's it's energizing, it's stimulating, it makes me happy. So it, it's a good thing for my mental health, and I also like I naturally default to reading as an essential part of it because I love uh, reading. Uh, novels from a critical perspective and, and seeing what particular threads can I carry through Siddhartha, for example, in examining what I think the reader had intended kind of thing. So it, it, it's, it's something that, that's very energizing for me. And uh, the other day I heard on the radio that, uh, so the difference between humans and monkeys or primates more generally is 60 billion neurons <laughs> so it's uh so am i using those 60 billion neurons uh, for something other than peeling a banana not that there's anything wrong with peeling a banana uh but you know we, we have this capacity for uh higher order thought and and uh, you know what can we uh, do with that 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 benefits not only ourselves but our, our wider communities in, in which we live Families. so that we are not myopically limited yeah for sure okay well i i feel like uh kind of in concluding this this conversation first of all i i hope the listener uh will be able to bear with uh, a couple of the glitches that we experienced through the discussion Always, we, we do our best to try to create a, a uniform conversation. This is a raw discussion without uh, rehearsal. And I like just throwing it back to the listener in terms of the way it organically unfolded. So it contains all the ums and ahs that go with just two ones blithering away about this thing called critical thinking. It's been a pleasure, Daniel Sun. I look okay. forward to ongoing conversations about this or whatever else might present itself in terms of an interest to both you and I. Thank you to my listeners for joining me for this tip of the iceberg conversation. As always, the conversation is ongoing and continuous. Peace, take care, be well, and share.